preview of Hanukween, 2017. Usually in August, that's when all the Halloween decorations start to appear anyway. I mean, in October, we get Christmas decorations, and November, we get Christmas music, and in December, we start to get Valentine's Day stuff, and in March, the world will come to an end, or something to that effect. But I I always appreciate how the holidays try to jump up on us a couple months early. So I figured if they do it, why not at least treat you to one bonus Halloween? I came across this movie that I saw on YouTube called A Ghost Story that was given us by David Lowry, who, as you know, directed last year's Pete's Dragon. And people... I love that. That was good. And some people were like, rabble, 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 how dare you? Yeah, it wasn't a stupid musical. It's like, no, let the old musical be. It made, you know, the way that it was made, how it was made now, is awesome. It's perfect. I have to watch it. I haven't... I, I was kind of like... I grew up watching Pete's Dragon. I mean, between that and Peter Pan, those are my jams, as the kids would say. I right? love I love the soundtrack. I mean, I, I love It's Not Easy. I, I love Dribble, Drabble Day, Doozle, Wazzle, Wizzle, Sis, Boom, Bong, Bugs Bunny, Bugs Bunny, Bugs Bunny, Bugs I love... But, but the Pete's Dragon, I'm glad... You know, it's got Ron Howard's daughter that she's famous because, you know, Ron Howard is her father. But I guess she's okay in it, I don't know. She wasn't that great in Jurassic Park, or... She was more machine than woman, but it is what it is. Um, but I do know that the Crypt Keeper, um, John Kazir, voiced Elliot. So I am kind of curious, so I, I do know that it's on Netflix streaming. I will watch it. I don't know if it's going to be part of Hanukkah I can't confirm or deny that, but... I've been hearing some interesting things about it. What I do know right now is that he was another one of these indie writers and directors, and the big thing from Sundance, after 12 things were rejected, one of them that went through for a hundred grand, and now it's making close to a million dollars in box office receipts, is a ghost story. And when I first saw this, I thought, okay, this is going to be up there with those epic movies and date movies into the guy, you know, something seltzer, or I don't know. The, pretty much the, the two out of the five writers of Scary Movie that decided to make their own movies and just throw in pop culture references and do nothing else and make it shit. But upon further inspection of watching the trailer and people really talking about this and bashing this on Fandango, I didn't know if I was going to get to see this in theaters and just wait for it to come out on digital on demand. Well, as luck and coincidence had it, my local Cineplex was playing it, and I got to see it today. Oh, cool. Now, you'll be happy to know, I did not walk out of this one. There were three people in the theater, and you had to get reserved seating. And, and this was, I don't know if you remember this, but once upon a time when the Cineplexes first reared their heads, they would usually have these auditoriums, not the stadium seating like today, mind you, but when the auditorium started to come out for the Cineplexes, they had these auditoriums that had aisles on the left and the right. You'd have scene on the left, scene on the right, and then in the middle you'd have, you know, the bigger seats. And that was pretty much how it worked. And then over the years, they've just changed it around where everything's like a stadium seating 
And then once in a blue moon, you would have that auditorium where seats were on the left, seats were on the right, and down the middle was the aisle, and you had a very small projector. And that was, you know, I hated those auditoriums. I mean, they were great for screening, but not if I'm paying yeah. 11 bucks in concessions. Well, auditoriums, I think, are starting to do away. You know, Cineplexes are starting to do away with those auditoriums. But the one I went to today for this only housed... Yeah, it's a Cineplex, but the auditorium only had 43 seats. Or 40, you know... Is anything beyond 43 is dangerous and unlawful? Well, as much as I tried to get this ticket from a scalper, there's a joke right there, uh, I was reserved seating at my Regal Shadowwood, and it was just myself and two people in the back, a husband and wife. And it had some generic trailers. A couple of them looked interesting. Uh, there's a Reese Witherspoon one that looks pretty good, another one with Francis McDormand, Woody Harrelson. So after War of the Planet of the Apes, he still has a career because he's going to be in two other movies that look pretty good. But yeah. But the problem is, is that once we get to the actual movie, I didn't know if this theater was haunted or not, but apparently I heard doors slamming, and though it was just the old couple behind me, three aisles back, just decided to pick up and leave, and I was the only one in the theater. Now, I did walk in and out a couple times because I did have to use the bathroom, um, but... I will say this much. I did stay, and, and, and the times that I would go up to do number one, uh, it was almost equivalent to me wanting to pause this movie. The interesting about this is that this is more of an artistic, surreal type of movie. It's very easy to follow, and you can pick your own destiny and fate of how you, you know, where the characters are going to go with this. But. Yeah. 90% of this movie is silent, the other 10% is talking, and <clears throat> you have a 1% of the drunken philosophical guy that knows everything because he's wasted, and he'll just have that rant that I just wasn't interested in. But what is this movie about? Well, it's about a married couple played by Casey Affleck and Rumi Mara. And if you don't know who those two are, Casey Affleck is pretty much the younger brother of Ben Affleck, who... Oh, yeah, I know who Casey Affleck is. Yes, yeah. he, he's, he's the one who pissed off Captain Marvel, and we don't do that. And <laughs> Rumi Marna, uh, or Mara, whatever, her sister was Sue Storm, and she was the girl with the dragon tattoo, and that's pretty much it, as far as I know. Oh, yeah. But they live in this rural house in the middle of farmland where I guess they either own it or rent it, I don't know. One night the piano that's in the house just hits a chord and it wakes them up and they don't know why and they try to investigate and then they go back to sleep and then sometime yeah. later he dies in a car accident. Well, he dies in a car accident and then he's in the hospital. He's His body's in covered by a sheet. He gets up but he becomes one of those Halloween ghosts where it's the white sheet and the holes for eyes and he's trying to walk through the hospital nobody notices him or talks to him he sees the light at the end of the tunnel but then it quickly closes and he tries to go back to his house we get this five minute scene of his wife eating a pie no sound no no instrumental she's just sitting eating this pie and then she goes to the bathroom and throws it all up she has a boyfriend but she can't handle it and she leaves the house he's just he stays he's there he sees another house across the way and it seems to be a woman because she has this you know female bed sheet and 
they talk through subtitles and she's waiting for something and he's waiting for something but she can't remember anymore and that's pretty much it. Single mother with the kids come in, one of the boys sees the ghost. He sees C, because that's his character's name, C. Creative storytelling, yeah. And while they're having dinner one night, C just has his temper tantrum and he just like throws plates and he destroys things. So the family leaves. And the house is abandoned for a while. Sometime later, these college kids come in, they party, and this guy drinks and he just has this rant that I wasn't even really paying attention to during uh, Beethoven's Ode to Joy. So the house is demolished, and then a skyscraper is put up. He goes to the top of the skyscraper, commits suicide, and goes back to the 19th century where he sees himself as a pioneer. His wife and daughter are killed by Indians, and then he goes back to his present time, and it turns out that he was the one who sat on the piano and woke his alive self up and his wife up. So he kind of goes through time. They kind of, he realizes a relationship with the wife before he dies, and then we see that the wife wrote a note and put it somewhere in the wall of the house. So he's able to find the note, he reads it, and then after he reads it, his body leaves the sheet and the movie's over. And four minutes of just credits with nothing but silence. And I'm the only one in the theater. I really, really had to urinate. That, that <laughs> Man, that coffee works. Which is why I excused myself a couple times. And, and, and there were times I just wanted to pick myself up and... Like, I, I felt like that old couple. But I promised myself this time I was not going to walk out like I did for Valerian. Do-do-do-do-do. Valerian. Do-do-do-do. A War of the Planet of the Apes. I was going to commit myself to this movie. I'm not going to lie to you. While watching this movie, for someone who loves Ingar Bergman's Seventh Seal, who loves Jim Henson's timepiece, and has gone to the Met Museum of Modern Art, and loves going to museums, I have to say this movie was a lot of things. I, you know, the problem is if you, this is a kind of movie that you sit around and you talk with people and nobody tells you to shut up during the film. But you really have to have a high tolerance for this movie. This movie was, without a shadow of a doubt, challenging. Because as soon as it opens, you have this couple in the house and there's really... Casey Affleck and Romanov, they have no chemistry together, I feel. And after they investigate the piano chord going off in the house at 1 o'clock in the morning. They go back to bed and they kind of make out. They don't make love or anything. They're kind of half naked. But they just sit there for like two minutes. It's like the, like like there are just shots that just stand there for two minutes or five minutes and nothing happens. And this is supposed to be a motion picture. There's a moment where Rooney walks out of the house to put something out for the gar- collect the garbage and then we just get a shot of the house and that's it. And it takes forever to fade to black and go on to the next scene. There's another one where he we see him dead in the car accident and we just see like right outside the house he, he we don't know how it happened, he just died. And it just But the biggest controversy right now for this film seems to be the five minute pie eating scene. Where it's just, and, and I just want to say right now for the, anybody out there who's been to the Met Museum of Modern Art, there was 
an interesting piece where a guy videotaped somebody eating from different corners of his mouth. Like, like it was shot at different sides and just seeing somebody eat. Like, you see a, uh, the left side, the right side, the middle. Uh, and by, and, I mean, it's okay to watch it for maybe two or three minutes. But to see somebody sitting there eating an entire pie, yeah, I get the fact you can argue she lost her husband, she's depressed, she's going through grief, I understand all that, but you know what? Even for a a black and white art film, a student film, this movie's a lot of things, student film and ain't. And unfortunately, I found myself going, this is like the Star Wars holiday special all over again. I bring this up because you recently lost somebody that you care about. Mm -hmm. And I know how you feel and I don't want to open up a wound, but... The whole idea of this movie is going through grief and loss, and and you have posted on, on losing, you know, Steve, and I'm sure you know it, it hurts a great deal, and and you, I think you said You're not opening any wounds. Believe me, I've um found other ways to like deal with that shit right now. So yeah. Well, I hope I'm one of them. Hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you ate an entire pie, but it is what it is, I suppose. Eat an entire pie? No, I couldn't. Okay, I'll be honest, right? Yes, I'm going to go there because, yeah, I'm fat, but, like, seriously, no, I cannot eat a whole entire pie. My thing is, I like to have a cup of coffee, and my favorite pie is apple pie with whipped cream. I can have one slice and coffee, and that's it. My thing for grieving, I can eat a shit ton of chocolate. You give me just pure chocolate, yeah, goodbye. I got a whole bag of, like, peanut butter M&M's. Like, even with pizza, the most slices I'll eat at one time is four slices. <laughs> like, seriously. Yes, you are one of the things that, yeah. That helps get me through shit. I, I, I'm just saying about the, um, I'll be honest, because, yeah. I love you and I care about you. So I found a, um, a male audio thing, it's just, and it also has women and stuff, but it's, it's BDSM, so that, that's like been helping. It's like erotic audio. Well, whatever works, I, I... It freaking helps just because, I mean, yeah, I've, I lived that way like for long ass time. So... And that's, like, really hard to, like, go cold fucking turkey. Just like smoking. I've been... I... I wimped out last night, but I haven't smoked since. Because I just had it. Four days not smoking. I had one last night. I bummed one because I didn't buy any. And that was it. (laughs) Because I keep, I can make it to three or four days, but then it's like after that because of 
kids and and other crap, it's like I can't make it over that hump right now. It's like I have to have that. Well, this was hard to get any trivia on. There were some YouTube interviews here or there, but pretty much from what I gather from Lowry was that it's pretty much a husband and wife that one is attached to the house and the other one is not, trying to guess who's who. And for anyone who's ever read a book on parapsychology about why ghosts stay, it's because in life they enjoy their property and they don't want to leave it in death either. But on the other hand, the story should be about M losing her husband and how she deals with the loss and trying. But we have a movie like that, and it's called Ghost. And we have another movie like that, it's called The Sixth Sense. This movie, the problem is, it's it's not original, I feel. The problem with this movie is, it should be about attachment, and it should be about a fear of what happens when you lose everything, and this movie should be about what happens when you leave before your significant other and how your significant other is going to handle it and what you were like past, present, and future. But the problem is I don't know much about these two characters other than I think one of them tries to become a musician. I'm not too sure. And the other one I don't know what she wants to do either other than this guy is just attached to the house and... That's pretty much it. And she writes a note, he's okay with it, and he just leaves. And I don't know that there's this female ghost, I don't know who she's supposed to be, and she just gives up the ghost, pardon the pun, because she's trying to wait for somebody that's never going to come. And we don't know what that's all about. And I don't even know why C is scaring away this, this single mom. I, I mean, I guess because he feels it's his house, but they're not kind of... They're not disrespecting the house... That's usually what happens when ghosts haunt because it's their property and the territorial, but the family's not even doing that when, when this family moves in. And then the house is destroyed and a skyscraper is put up and the farmland becomes futuristic utopia or whatever. And even then, I was under the impression that once the ghost's house is destroyed, the ghost goes away anyway. It, 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 it's no longer attached to the property that it, that it decided to stay behind, so that doesn't make an ounce of sense. But he has this ability to time travel. And again, I, I don't get all that. Um, the note is kind of like Rosebud, or it's kind of like the, uh, the 2003 movie with Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson lost in translation. We don't know what Bill Murray says to Scarlett Johansson. We have theories and, you know, we have hypothesis and we have theories, but we don't know what he said to her. And according to David Lowry, Rumi Amara apparently just wrote something and put it in the wall and she doesn't remember what she wrote. So she couldn't even tell us and who knows. Apparently the artist Kesha, who wrote and sang the song TikTok has an appearance, but Kesha is so relevant at this point that I don't even know where she was. Apparently she's in the party college-esque scene when, when these drunken college kids move into M's and C's house after she moves out and he's dead. 
but I couldn't find her, and I really wasn't paying attention too much because there were just points where there was silence was one thing, but the pacing and the editing was something else, and that's the problem. And nobody had to tell me to get out once credits were rolling and it was dead silence for four minutes because I didn't feel anything. And a lot of people were saying the same thing, but I want to say one thing, though. Fandango users, I think, were wrong about saying how this movie was boring and then this movie... I blame the, that millennials are conditioned on special effects and they want everything now and they want everything explained to them now. I was a little bit hard with this movie that I have to admit I did wander, I did pick up my phone, I did check my email, I did try to see if I can catch Articuno in Pokemon Go. I admit to all that. But that doesn't mean that just because this movie, my expectations, doesn't mean this movie isn't meant for somebody like you or somebody who has lost somebody at a young age and how they're going to cope with it or what the afterlife is all about. Yeah, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> no, no. I've done a seance and those things don't work. Yeah, seance, I've never been to one. I, I will say this much. I have been to a haunted property in uh, Pennsylvania, and the only thing I can say is I can't confirm or deny if whether I did interact with a ghost or everything was just pure coincidence. I have discussed it several times. I've seen a cat on the property, and usually animals have a, their own sixth sense when, when they're a ghost, or they're so used to it because the ghosts are okay that nothing really happens. Um, I felt when I was walking through a corridor that uh, somebody was, you know, quickly took my hand because there were ghost children. Um, there was a moment where there was a windowsill that just closed unexpectedly in, in the middle of the day where, you know, there was no other way they had to, like, slam it down. And that's what it looked like, and who knows what really happened, and nobody was near the window, you know, to, to close it. And, and you really had to, you know... And, and, and then there was a, a door that was blowing in the op, you know in the opposite direction. The window wasn't blowing with the wind, but, it, you know. So who knows? You know, the... I, 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 I can't confirm or deny. But I felt safe, but on the other hand, who knows? Whether or not ghosts do or don't exist, I've read a lot of books on parapsychology. I've watched a lot of documentaries. I find them to be entertaining. This is a different type of ghost story, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, is this the best film of 2017? I gotta say yes, but it, I, I still wanted this to be my number one pick for 2017, but I don't think it this, you know, it's, it's gonna get something, but it's not gonna get my number one. It's gonna be on my 2017 best list of this year. I just don't yeah. know where, I just don't know where it's gonna go. The other problem I have with this is that I just don't care about Romeo Mara anymore. It, it, you know, I don't think anybody really did, or her sister. They're they no. they pan. Just just not a fan of, and Casey Affleck. No, he's no Ben. And and I've seen Casey in a few things. I don't know what's happened to him, but Casey Affleck. You know, I I don't know what his appeal is anymore. But I do know one thing. This is a movie you got to watch on a weekend and try to have some sort of conversation with anybody that can relate to as lost somebody and just your thoughts on death. So, it's watchable, but I think just one time and one time only. So, again, I love you, sweetie. I'm so glad you got to join me on this episode. 
And for everybody else, happy Hunter Queen. Say, kids, what would you like to do tonight? of a Lovecraft story, then talk about background critical reviews and what the stories say about the author. How do we get these two boys into our home? HPPodcast.com The internet? I don't know. It's wholesome family entertainment. We can even get on iTunes. It's easy. And then we can impress our school friends with all our arcane knowledge. Say, you know what I like to do on a night like this? With the dark woods out back silhouetted by the ghostly full moon, the branches shadows making all sorts of crazy angled patterns in the yard? You two aren't going to do that again, are you? Why don't you two go out back and play with the shadows? Take the baby with you. Hey, there's already somebody out there. What? I think they're coming to talk to us. They should have listened. Yeah. Hey, we still can. Weekends are a good time to listen to podcasts, unless the weekend begins with Friday the 13th. Return to Camp Blood is Jason's podcast, and no one will be left alive. Join Chris, E, Eric, and Oz as they return to Camp Blood every Friday night at CampBloodPodcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you listen, or you'll find yourself the latest victim of Jason's wrath. Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to review a podcast, Narf.